rest and self-care are so important. When you take the time to replenish yourself, your spirit, it allows you to serve from the overflow. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. That's a quote by Eleanor Brown when it comes to self-care. She's an author, pretty good author, actually. So hello, my name is Stephen King, and we're here with episode two of Apples and Coffee, today talking about work-life balance and self-care. I have two amazing guests with me today who will introduce themselves. Um, Hi, I'm Emily McGann. Um, I'm a teaching assistant at the University of Florida. So that means that I'm a full-time graduate student and also uh, helping to teach classes that, you know, the actual professors teach. And then Danielle. Hi, I'm Danielle Moss. Um, I've been teaching um, high school English for 13 years. I took a year this year to try instructional coaching, hated it, going back to the classroom as of the fall. Yeah. All right. So today I want to talk about how do we keep it together? You know, we have constant moving deadlines with teaching, being emotional support pillars, uh, yeah, running clubs, after school activities, family duties, graduate work if you're in grad school. So where do we find time for ourselves? How do we fill our own cups up and how do we recharge? Uh, Self-care should not feel like a chore. It should be something organic in our life. When you think about our work, we cannot give our students our best if we're not at our best. I wanted to do this topic because, well, first of all, my school year doesn't end until June 24th. Well, the students' last day is June 24th. The teachers' last day is June 27th. So we got a lot of teachers struggling right now. I hear it all the time. Teachers is looking like they're razzled. And this year, I've been purposeful in taking my days for self-care. I feel like sometimes... People in leadership roles, certain people in leadership roles can, I won't say guilt trip you, but trying to make you think twice about taking that Mm self-care. Your team Mm -hmm. needs you. The students need you. I need me too. So the first topic is I want to ask to both of you, why does self-care matter to you? Uh, For me, self-care is important because Really, it became more important to me once I became a mother. Um, I realized when I was a single teacher, which was for the first like seven years, maybe of my teaching career, um, I was single and I didn't have kids. And I realized I had really run myself ragged, but you don't notice it as much when you just get to come home and crash. So once I became a mother, it all just changed. And I was like, I can't run myself like this because my kids need me as well. So it made me more mindful of needing to realize my boundaries um, and everything once I became a mom. So I think self-care for teachers, even if you're not a parent, like when you're not a parent, it's not as noticeable that you need it, but we do need boundaries. We need um, time to refresh. And as you said earlier, our students are not going to get the best of us if we don't. My first year teaching, I destroyed myself. I'm talking about, I was one of the first ones in the building at like 6.30. It was me and another teacher, or two teachers, always the three of us. One was always one of the first ones there. It's like a race. And then I would would go to games afterwards to support my students. So I wasn't getting home till like 7, 8 o'clock at night. Literally doing like 14, 15 hour days. Every Mm -hmm. single day. My first year teaching because I thought this is going to pour all into there. Yeah, learn that lesson real quick. My first year teaching, um, I was coaching cheerleading as well. 
And so I was sometimes not getting home till actually like 1030 and stuff like that. So I definitely understand that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I do think that, well, like I said, we can't give our students the best if we're not at our best. And I feel like as teachers, work's always going to be there. It's never going to go away. So Mm-mm. trying to do it all and try to like say, I want to do all this and get it done. It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. I, I truly believe it is impossible to do everything and keep up and stay up to date. It's impossible. It absolutely is impossible. You can't, you just can't do everything. And like I said, like I learned that I'm a very giving person, especially when it comes to my students. I mean, I'm everywhere. I'm at games, plays, choir concerts. I was all over everything just because like, I want them to feel loved. And I feel like I'm not doing my job as a teacher if the kids don't feel like I care. So like, that's what was causing me to take it to the extreme. Is that right. like I just need them to know, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I care. That's fair. Yeah. So, Emily, why does it matter to you? Why does self care matter to you? Yeah. Um. I don't think that I really had a concept of self care until you know experiencing uh, going through my bachelor's degree, and during that time, I really just straight up hit rock bottom. After that point, I, I think it's I think it's important to me now because I've seen what it means to fail at self care, and I really think that self care is you know the act of knowing yourself and then continuing that relationship with yourself after the fact, so that you can be stable as a human and that you can improve yourself as a human being. And um, that quote that you shared actually, "You can't pour from an empty cup," is actually um, a saying that I've heard pretty much all of my life. And that's something that I've lived off of too. And after hitting rock bottom, that was really kind of my, it it became important for me to figure out how to fill my cup because I was not able to do that before that point. So I've heard that also for like my whole life. I won a good part of my life pouring for an empty cup, empty cup. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't really realize that until second year of teaching. No, because second year COVID came. We came back. So my third year of teaching, third year of teaching, coming back, teaching during COVID, hybrid classes, and trying to make everybody happy is when I realized, like, holy crap, I am drained. Oh, it's like Danielle said, my family was starting then also. Mm-hmm. Uh, fiance was pregnant. Um, then Josiah was born and all this stuff. And then that's when it really hit me like, dang, I am running on fumes. No one's getting my best. And then what am I doing? for myself to make sure I'm at my best. Right. It, was, it was crazy. And that leads us to the, the next part. <laughs> what did you try for self-care? For me, when I started being more purposeful in my whole self-care journey, so to speak, I didn't get it right right away because I didn't know what I really needed to recharge. Because at first I thought, look, I'm a very simple person. I can go out to eat, watch a movie. I'm good. And I thought that was self-care for me and I realized that while that did make me happy I wasn't really feeling refreshed and I continued to, to struggle until I started doing things that actually helped like recharge my spirit not just my body so I started hiking more started hitting more trails out here 
because I do like the outdoors. And once I started going to some state parks with some people who I absolutely love, that felt more like self-care to me. Cause I felt like my spirit was happier and I was getting an exercise in and that made me feel like I can go to sleep, wake up. I'm like, dang, now I feel good. Still like watching my movies, still like playing my video games, still like eating at my restaurant. But when I started doing that, that's when I really realized like that this is self-care. It's not just about the body. It's also about the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I didn't know that at first. You know, people used to say, just do things that make you happy. I'm like, well, movies make me happy, but it's not the same. So I want to know about y'all's self-care struggles, if you would. Like, did you get it right the first time or how'd that work for you? For me, uh, I'm kind of like, um, like you were saying, actually in my earlier years of teaching, because I started at 23 and my best friends were still in college. So it was like their senior year. So like my first year teaching, I still went to like parties and stuff with my sorority sisters. (laughs) (laughs) And so that like was something I really needed. And so it wasn't until they graduated and actually started to disperse. That then I was like, wait, what? I have no one. And so then I kind of went through this period of like, none of my friends lived, lived here anymore. And, you know, I had stayed because I'm not originally from here. And so when I came out here and went to college, I stayed because I was like, oh, I like it here. But they had been here their whole life. So they left. And so then I was teaching and I'm like, trying to do stuff, like you said, go to the movies, do something, but it just like, wasn't doing it for me. And that's when I kind of tapped into church. So I actually joined a church and getting involved in that. Um, I was in choir. I was doing small group Bible study. I was going to the singles events, like being immersed in that really just helped me to have an outlet and to refresh in like that kind of spiritual way. And so that was kind of what I needed at the time. Yeah. Um, I think for me, because like I said, you know, when I hit that rock bottom point, I have found out since then that I have several chronic conditions. Some of them are physical, some of them are mental and getting diagnoses for those and then figuring out what works to address each of those things has really built my relationship with myself. And I, I really feel like self-care, <laughs> I feel like there's still sort of this toxic idea um, that gets spread where it's just like, oh, like self-care is doing these big extravagant things and just like taking these ridiculous bubble baths with the perfect lighting and 50 candles. <laughs> and, you know? and sure, you know, sometimes that that's really nice for yourself. But like, realistically speaking, when I think about self-care, I think of Maslow's hierarchy and, and just, trying to meet those physical and really basic mental needs first, where you're making sure that you have those things for yourself. And once you're secure in that, you know, meeting your larger emotional, spiritual, and social needs. Like I really kind of break it down into five categories for myself, but I will say the first things that I tried were those kind of bigger things and it doesn't always work and it's not always feasible. You don't always have time to do those things. I did after I finished my bachelor's, but when I started my master's degree and started teaching, and I know it's not, you know, quite on the same part as full-time teachers, y'all have, I can't even imagine how much on your plates and especially (laughs) dealing with, you know, not the higher education aspect, but kids that are still home with their parents and still really need that nurturing. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. college students don't because to a degree they do, but just, you know what I mean? It's a different level of Mm -hmm. non-independence, but 
yeah, anyway, so when I had started teaching though, and also as you're trying to balance school full time, that time goes away because you get used to maybe working after you have your bachelor's and you're like, wow, I have all this free time. And then getting into teaching and trying to balance that, I realized that, you know, I have minor OCD, so I would want to do things perfectly. Like I would want to set it up and be like, I need a whole hour to do yoga and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I started figuring out that 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 didn't work anymore. And for me now, you know, sometimes I'll plan kind of bigger things, things to look forward to, but I've really figured Mm -hmm. out that a little thing um, and habits for me are a really big one. Like having the same routine in the morning, having the same routine at night and knowing I'm doing each of those things specifically for myself to be grounded. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also finding the little moments, like this is going to sound really weird, but for instance, like, I'm like, Oh, I don't have time to stretch today. And I'll be like stretching in the shower, you know, trying to do that or like stretching the shower is a must. Definitely. Um, (laughs) But you know, just like random little things like that, or making sure that you're hydrated. Like I literally just bought this bottle that's massive. Um, but it's my 76 ounces of water a day, you know? So yeah, I I think the little things, those really add up for yourself, but then also like getting to know yourself well enough to where you're like, Oh, I feel this imbalance in knowing what one of those bigger things is going to fulfill that need for you. Mm -hmm. That water bottle is funny. I actually got a couple of teachers at my school with me walking around the gallon. I have like the little markers, like you're doing great. You're almost there. You got it. So yeah, similar to that. So I got I have one. one of the office staff liked it. So she wanted one. And then one of my fellow coaches, he, he, see, he sees me with his eyes like, working for you. I'm like, yes. Cause you know, cause hydration is holy crap. Once I realized, once I started getting that thing, it's like being more purposeful in my hydration. Oh, it started feeling so much better. Like, Wow. Well, I guess I'll take mine out the package then because I got oh. one. It's still in the package. Though. So, so like part of self, like, so staying hydrated is like the most basic thing anyone yeah. can do for their self-care because it just, it, I, it literally fills you up and just helps cleanse you of your impurities and, you know, energy, so on and so forth. It's very, very important. I, I'm just saying, <laughs> My goal, hopefully next year, is to have uh, teachers and students all carrying around gallon, <laughs> and that's for some. I've only seen the athletes do that at the schools where I've taught at. The athletes, some of them are the ones carrying around the gallons, like the football player guys, and all of them carrying around the gallons and asking to go pee twenty five times during my class. Mm-hmm. Well, for the few <laughs> students who I have who will be listening to this, hopefully they hear my plea and they decide to go get. <laughs> Alan order <laughs> Mr. King. There you go. In the, so kind of like suggestions for other teachers. I tried to, me and Miss Adad, she was on here last week. We tried to do this thing towards the end of the year to schedule hikes, like teacher hikes with our staff. Because I listen in the hallway, I listen to teachers complain and hear about their stress. And I was like, what can I do to help them? not feel like they're being drug across the coals this late in the year. And so we came up with this idea. Unfortunately, the first one, only three of us showed up. Uh, the second one, no one but me showed up. And after two times, I'm like, look, I was trying to help y'all. Like, 
I hear you complaining. I'm trying to come up with a solution. Will it work for you like it does for me? I don't know. But I do think fresh air and having a chance just to be around people outside and just not being around the kids, not having to talk about the kids might do you some good. So I was trying to help. And not having teachers take up that offer kind of felt a little defeating because like, dang, I'm trying to help. We came up with this plan, but nobody wanted to execute it. It's like, and then after I did that, then it still felt the same afterwards. Like I still hear the, uh, this, uh, that. And it's like, now I'm like, well, I tried to help you, but y'all didn't want help. So what am I supposed to do? So what suggestions would you have for other educators, especially new ones who are getting into the profession, especially during this time? What suggestions for little self-care might you have? Knowing that not everything will work for everyone, but what might work for some people? Um, I think that like, One of the things that was said earlier about the little things, I think talking to teachers or sharing the little things they could possibly be interested in. So, for example, as much as I have been liked by the students over the years, as much as I cannot keep them out of my class, one thing I will not do and I have never done is allow students in my room at lunch. That is my time. I'm keeping it my time. They beg and plead. And um, and all my some of my other colleagues, they just have a room full of kids all day. I'm like, nope, I'm sorry. There's a one look. That's what I need to do in order to stay what y'all need, you know. So that's kind of one of the things that I've shared with some of my coworkers is like, take your moment. Like, don't feel like you have to allow them to be with you during lunch or you're a bad teacher. Now, I know there's like different circumstances, but you know what I mean? That's just one of my non-negotiables that I share that helps me because it lets me have a chance to like lose off for a second. And then also like I try not to make plans on Friday nights. So like when I leave work, first of all, most of the time I don't want to hear the radio or I don't want to hear sounds. I'm just like, I'm going to drive home. And then I'm, you know, I get my favorite food and I just kind of like chill out the rest of the weekend. I might be all over the place, but like Friday nights are like my time. So I think overall, what I'm saying is make sure you have certain time carved out, no matter like what it is. Or And I think that is something that could work for anybody because you're picking your own time that you want to carve out that works for you. Okay. Sometimes I think we get caught up thinking that the students need 24-7 access to us. All right. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Because you want to meet all of their needs mm-hmm. all the time. I, that's what it feels like. And my first year teaching, I was I had teachers, I had kids in my classroom and it felt good at the time. But then I realized like need that separation. Love y'all. But mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> boundaries and separation is very important. No matter what the relationship is. You need boundaries and separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so on the subject of boundaries, I would say the the higher education level, they are supposed to be more independent, right? But I have taught mostly, I think, freshmen and sophomores at this point. I've been teaching for an international affairs like Keystone course for the last year. And especially with COVID, I think, you know, their their first year, most of them was online. Um, And so this Mm -hmm. is the first time some of them have been in an actual college classroom. And, you know, as much as I appreciate that 
pretty much every excuse has flown for COVID. That's great because I understand people don't have the access to healthcare or mental health care right now. And I get it. But as things are sort of moving forward, we have literally accepted everything as an excuse for, you know, why something's late, why someone's not showing up to class. And we're not asking mostly for documentation at this point. But for me moving forward, because I feel that I have sort of let them run over my boundaries this year. And I think that was a good thing, again, because a lot of people were in situations and it is hard to distinguish like who really is going through something and who's not. (laughs) And you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I will say, you know, that is one of those boundaries, I think, especially at a higher education level where, you know, you are expected to be an adult at this point. And even, you know, with elementary, middle, high school, there are age appropriate expectations for your level of responsibility individually and holding yourself accountable. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, very clearly communicating your expectations for your students and holding your boundaries. For me, that's going to be really important moving forward. And I think, you know, for both of you, you've probably experienced that as well. But if you, you know, if you don't hold the boundary for one student, they talk to each other and then, (laughs) right. You know, so then everybody does the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So other than that, though, I will say, Uh, especially for teachers, you know, that this is your full-time job and you're inside all day, as ridiculous as it sounds, like making sure that you're outside in the sun for a little bit of time because those fluorescent lights are deadly. Um, (laughs) And even for us, you know, sometimes I'm in my office all day, just in my basement doing stuff and you come outside and you're like, oh, it's still light outside because there's there's Mm -hmm. no natural light in there. Um, That can really help regulate your sleep cycles too, which is super, super important. And then I guess, because I just like wrote notes when you're talking, my last thing to build off of was, because kind of like what you're saying, uh, Stephen, you're like, (laughs) you know, I tried to organize this for the teachers. At some point, you know, like the things that you're putting your energy and your time into, if they're not serving you or they're not, you're not getting anything out of it, dropping those things or just not saying yes to everything. Because I am a people pleaser. Like I'm working so hard on that, but I will say yes to just about everything. And that's when I get tired and I'm learning how to say no to certain stuff. Dang it. There's something else I was going to say about that, but I can't remember what it is now. So I will stop. <laughs> I I think next year, I'm going to start earlier in the year. Yeah. Get teachers like at least once a month because a lot of teachers love happy hours, which is fine. Sure. I personally don't drink like that anymore yeah. like i i'm to the point now to where it's like one drink every like three or four months happy hours don't to me do not sound like a good recharge at the end of the week especially because they just turn into complaining complaining fest with alcohol so i want to do things that get teachers together so we can build that unity cohesion chemistry at the same time to kind of service us in the self-care aspect. So outside stuff. Okay. I remember it because you said the negativity thing. That's the other thing is that I I feel like there are just people that, that just want to complain. So you try to do a good thing, you know, and then this, this still complain because people, yeah, you know, there are just certain people like my mom was a teacher for 30 years and she told me that she really had to create space between herself and most of the other teachers because she, and she, she would stop going to the teacher's lounge because she, every time she'd walk in, it was people complaining about the kids or complaining about the situation. And, you know, 
that was really toxic for her. And she would just always be in this negative mindset and be like, why, why do I feel so negative? And she's like, oh, because they're all <laughs> being really <laughs> negative. You do have to separate yourself from that. Yeah. Yeah. So just not feeling bad when you, when you don't want to spend time with people that are draining you. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. Well, I, of, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say real quick, part of self-care is protecting your energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cutting out those bad toxic influences. Not saying you can't love on them and everything, but you do not have to um, yeah. have fully involved in your life like that. Right. And I wanted to speak to that as well. Um, what Emily was saying, because, you know, um, that's actually one of the reasons I never won teacher of the year. So like the kids would always be like, how come you're not winning this? And I'm like, because the, the teachers vote on that, not the kids. And they call me antisocial for having lunch in my classroom. <laughs> like, so, you know, um, and it's largely because of what you were saying. Yeah. I don't want to hear the complaining fist. I don't want, you know, I don't want to do that. And I went through the same thing you did, um, Stephen. I was the department chair. So I organized um, during our, like the beginning of school professional development days. Um, we had like a two and a half hour lunch break one of the days. So I had set up for us to go all eat at this Mexican restaurant near our school. Not a single person came. And I was really hurt by that. But I had to realize, you know what? Some people are just determined to like not be positive. It doesn't matter what you do. They're just not going to be a team player. They're not going to. And like your mom, you said your mom was teaching for 30 years. Like those are the kind of people that I want to be around. People that are in this for the long haul and actually care about the kids. But unfortunately, that is not the norm these days. Like a lot of teachers, especially now with COVID and everything, unfortunately, a lot of teachers are like one foot out the door. It's hard to find the ones that are like, really here for the right reasons, bringing the right energy. It's just not common, unfortunately. And with that, we're going to begin our wrap-up. This is going to be our final thoughts on self-care. And this is how I'm going to wrap in my third topic. So for teachers who are listening, when you start taking your self-care seriously, do not let anyone, especially in your administration, discourage you from taking your self-care. They'll try to make you feel guilty. They'll try to talk, use the kids against you to get you to come in. They'll bring up data and talk about your data as a way to get you not to take your self-care. Okay. Take your self-care. Take it. Take your days. Take your self-care. Mm-hmm. You are valuable to the students, to the schools, and to your admin when you take your self-care. So that's, that's right. the biggest piece of advice I can give. Take your self-care. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I agree. So it's even more important. I hate to keep bringing up the parent factor, but unfortunately, they only give us, you know, X amount of days per year. And unfortunately, parents, a lot of times mothers have to use a lot of their days because of their kids getting sick. And so, you know, people that are parents, they may not even have those extra days um, to take off at random. But, you know, it's still important to, if you can, to do that, like mental health day. Like, it's just super refreshing. It's needed. And also along those same lines, try your hardest not to take 
work home. Oh yeah. I did not learn that for a long time. So that's my advice. <laughs> so real quick, my first year took work home. Second year still took work home, but I said I wouldn't do it after like six or seven. Last two years, I do not do anything at home. I Everything I do is in the school building. I grade in the school building. I do assignments or lesson plans in the school building. If I have to stay after school for extra 30, 45 minutes to do it, then go home, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I do not open my work computer at all at home. And it feels wonderful. One of the yes. best decisions <laughs> I ever made. Mm-hmm. I agree. It took me eight years to get to that point. So it took me eight years to finally stop bringing work home. And it is much better that way. So try not to take work home. (laughs) So on the topic, (laughs) on that topic. So there's a couple of things I wanted to say. I, (laughs) I actually told a couple of people today that I I really admire one of my mentors uh, who is a paleontologist and his whole like like, Obviously, not everyone is cut out for this, but he's one of those people that his career is his whole life. You know, he that's what he loves. That's what he does. Um, he doesn't have a spouse, doesn't have kids, doesn't have pets. It's Tim and his house full of books. He works a lot. But when he's not at work, he does not have Internet at his house. He doesn't have cable at his house. And he has a really old flip phone that there's a 50-50 chance he'll have reception. And he does not answer anything when he's outside of work. And he does not answer that phone when he's outside of work, unless it's an emergency. For that, I was just like, what great boundaries to have for, you know, because he works a lot. So when he is there, he's like, I'm here, you can talk to me. But when I'm not here, do not contact me. And I think that's amazing. And I hope we can all find some type of that sort of boundary in our life. The other thing is that I know with COVID, uh, it's become very difficult for, I think there's probably maybe still teachers who are going back and forth with the Zoom kind of deal. Um, But on top of that, you know, speaking from a a TA perspective or somebody who works on a college campus, to be honest, you know, we spend, most people that I know spend as little time as possible as we can on campus because, you know, UF, for instance, has 40,000 students. So that gets a little risky. We still have COVID all the time. You know, you've got freshmen living in dorms together. We've got uh, sorority and fraternity houses. So there's still parties going on and just like transmission happening. So for us, I think, because I still do work at home, but I think the important distinction there is making sure that you have a space to work in that is your workspace. Because, and I have heard many results of studies on this, if you do work pretty much anywhere in the house, you're going to start associating that with work, especially mm-hmm. if you are in your bedroom. And that is terrible for sleep. Um, <laughs> and it's terrible for your relaxation. <laughs> anyway, I have other stuff to say, but if anybody wants to comment on that part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyone who's listening, yes, dedicated workspace. That includes you students. Just throw that out there. Dedicated workspace. Yes. Don't in bed. Thank you. Yeah, this is mine, actually. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I just got, my wife was one who did work in bed. She's getting her doctoral degree and she, you know, getting that laptop and does work in bed, but not anymore. We got a desk. We got a chair. She works there now and it's a whole lot better. She's even admitted so. So dedicated workspace. For fear of running out of time, though, I would like to give one last round. 
final words? Um, I guess the other thing that I had wanted to say, because you were talking about guilt, right? Yeah. Um, I will say it it is baffling to me how many people, uh, especially in grad school, but I, I assume with other careers too, because I've definitely noticed it, the, the hustle culture we have in the United States where it's like, if you're not working, then you know, you ain't anything. Um, <laughs> but you know, that, that is really, I keep saying the word toxic. I know it's a buzzword, but it is, it's really toxic. And I, I, like you were saying, do not let people make you feel guilty because by taking care of yourself and by being able to put your best self forward, that's how you're helping other people. You cannot help other people. If you are not taking care of yourself, you will burn out. You will break down. You might get out of your career or your job that you've put all this time and effort into because you're just so sick of it. So find the people that are supportive of your self-care, push away the people that are, you know, making you feel guilty for that and hold yourself accountable for your self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Especially the, account- mm-hmm. the accountability part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My last word would be, last words would be um, self-care is important. Um, if you're able to look into your uh, benefits and see what type of um, counseling services or something that are available to you, because that's also something that's big for self-care um, to get into therapy. So just understanding that self-care matters a whole lot. I want to add to that point really quick, because there's a lot of insurance plans that hide it, you know, in in the in between the lines kind of thing. But a lot of healthcare plans will pay for like chiropractic care or massage therapy. Mm-hmm. So look into that for yourselves too, because... <laughs> And sometimes it's a copay, of course, but it's worth it. So, yeah, sometimes the copay is worth it. So, calling through those insurance plans, see what's uh-huh. available. Do not feel guilty about taking time for yourself. And my last piece of my last piece of advice would be: get outside. Mm-hmm. Do something that gets you outside. The sun is nourishing. It is. Mm-hmm. Nourishing. Get outside. If you're looking for something self care related, do it outside. If it's reading read outside. If it's yoga, mm-hmm. outside. If it's running, run outside. Incorporate outside in your self-care. I'm a firm believer in it. Do it. With that said, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to sharing some apples and coffee with you again next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.